0: I don't know where to tell you to turn, be honest with you, because we're going to be a bunch of places. Go to James chapter 4. That's where we'll end up. James chapter 4. While you're turning there, make sure and wish Isaac Branson a happy birthday. He's uh, 16 years old today, 16 years old. Pray for his parents as as they now advance into this section of life in which driver's licenses and insurance rates and all that good stuff. 16 years old. It wasn't so long ago that the kindergartners would come and take naps at the parsonage. My wife would watch them. Periodically, I'd be there. Isaac would never take a nap. Never. Not once. He'd just lay there and look at you. It was spooky, frankly, Isaac, I'll be honest with you. Anyway. Anyway. We've got video of Claire as a tiny baby climbing all over Isaac, and Isaac just lays there like a slug, just lets her do whatever she wants to to him. Oh, well, happy birthday, Isaac. We uh, began this, there's been a week in, in between, so I want to do a little bit of review. We're talking about stewardship. We're, we, we start out in Psalm 24, verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And we're talking about stewardship, and you'll remember that steward is defined as one who manages another's property, finances, or affairs. A steward doesn't own the property, they only manage it on behalf of another. You understand, friends, that we don't own a thing, we don't own a thing, it all belongs to God. And that's, that's the key truth. If we're going to be good stewards of what God gives us, whether it be our, our talent, our treasures, or our time, we need to understand that everything belongs to God. And we moved through that last week. Our, our, our character belongs to God. We're talking about our consecration. Adrian Rogers reminds us that consecration is not giving to God anything. It's taking our hands off of that which already belongs to him. Our character belongs to God. Our companion belongs to God. Hey, husbands, your wife belongs to God. Wives, your husband belongs to God. Our marriages belong to God. Our children belong to God. Children are an heritage of the Lord. Heritage means property. Property. This church belongs to God. It's not your church or my church. I understand what we mean when we say that, but it's it's God's church. Never forget that. And then our choices belong to God. But now, tonight, we want to get a little more specific as we consider what belongs to God in the matter of stewardship. And so we find ourselves in James chapter 4, verse number 14. Go back to verse 13. Go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain, whereas... You know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It's even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Given that everything belongs to God, we now focus on three areas within stewardship. We'll talk about talents and we'll talk about treasure. But for tonight, I think we do well to talk about time. And James 4.14 is where we'll begin as we discuss this subject. Our time belongs to God. Our time belongs to God. Father, would you help me to handle your word rightly tonight, to be a blessing to your people, lead us exactly where you want us to be, doing us exactly what you want to do, and may we be careful to mark our time in a way that glorifies you. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. And amen In looking at James chapter 4 we're we're reminded of something first of all time is impermanent it is impermanent it's fleeting and you got to act upon it quickly have you ever been in a situation in which you had to act upon something quickly I had a little spell there I'm I'm over it now I had a little spell there where back when when eBay you remember when, when you actually used to bid on things on eBay that used to be how it was and something would pop up that I really wanted. And chances are, if I really wanted it, a lot of people really wanted it. And so you would try to get that bid and you had to move fast or it'd be gone. You'd be outbid or, or it'd be sold or whatever. Well, that's how time is. Things move fast. Things move fast. I've been told my whole life, the older you get, the faster time moves. It's true. It's true. I mean, I, I, was, I was talking with a family today and we were talking about, you know, how the Lord brought us here and everything. And it's, it's staggering to me. In February, it had been 12 years, 12 years. When we came here, we didn't even see Claire yet. We came in February. Claire made her appearance in March. And now she's almost a teenager. Time has moved just relentlessly, quickly. It's impermanent. It's fleeting. And we've got to understand that we've got to act upon it quickly. Quickly. It's relentless as it marches on towards eternity. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, to everything there's a season. Time to every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to get and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to rend and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace, and when you the book of ecclesiastes as a whole and you get the the, what what Solomon's trying to get across about life being apart from God being empty and vain he he wants to create this feeling of it just marches and marches and marches and marches and at the end of it you'll look back on it and you'll either say man that was great how we did this for God or you'll look back and say it was empty and useless because I left him out it's impermanent And yet we treat it as though we're all going to live forever, physically speaking, on this earth. And we're not. We're not. We are mistaken. Listen to this. We are mistaken to waste time trying to decide how best to spend time. We do. This thing acting up. Is it going in and out? It kind of feels like it is. All right. Uh so let me get a handheld. Thank you, sir. Can everybody hear me? Okay, great. <laughs> We're mistaken to waste time trying to decide how best. spend time. So what what do we do? How do we manage that? We best manage time when we plan on how we're going to use it, when we make plans. Listen to what the psalmist said, Psalm 90 verse 12. So teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. You know what the word number means? It means to assign or appoint. We ought to sit down and say, okay, this is how I'm going to use the time that God gives me for his glory. I'm going to assign this amount of time to this. I'm going to assign this amount of time to that. I'm going to make plans because when we live just, you know, lollygagging through life and things come at us as they will, that's how you waste Time. That's how you waste time. Make plans. So how do we best plan our usage of time? You use God's word. The psalmist in Psalm 119 said, Make me to go in the path of thy commandments. My path in life, my time ought to be rooted in the commandments of God. See, time is impermanent. Remember this, friends, time is irreplaceable too. Back in, verse, in, in James chapter 4, you know not what you'll be on the morrow, for what is your life? It's even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanish, vanisheth away. You see it momentarily, and it's gone. When we were kids, and perhaps even now, it gets cold enough, what do you do? You look at that, you look at that vapor. Now, let's be honest. How many of us as little kids pretended like we were smoking? Perhaps some of you still do. <laughs> that vapor is, 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 it's visible. You can see it. I love those old videos of NFL players back when, you know, football, you could hit people. You know, Jack Lambert or, Mean Joe Green or somebody like that, and they're playing, and it's like 30 degrees below zero, and they're in short sleeves. And they're breathing, and just the vapor's just coming, coming off of their heads on the sidelines and everything. But what does it do? You see it, but then it's gone. You don't get that vapor back. It's gone. And time's the same way. Like a vapor, it vanishes away. Psalm 89, verse 47, Ethan the Ezraite says this, Remember how short my time is. Wherefore hast thou made all men in vain? How many times have we thought this, or how many times have we heard somebody else verbalize this? Boy, where did the time go? It doesn't seem like so long ago that I was a kid, it doesn't seem like so long ago that we just got married that our kids were born, and now here we stand. Time is the most precious commodity that you have. Nothing even comes close. You see, you could lose every dime you have to your name, and theoretically you could get it back. You hear stories of, of you know, wealthy people that have you know, been successful financially and they usually have some story of, yeah, I lost everything and that's when I changed my mind about it and did things differently and they got it all back and then some. I think Dave Ramsey has a similar story to that. Lost everything, but it, we got it back. There's people that had great talent and, and that talent seemed to wane and so they, whether they had a surgery or they went back to practicing again or whatever and they, they got it back. There's even people whose health went away from them, but by God's grace, they were able to regain their good health. But time, friend, time, you don't get it back. There's no scenario in which you get time back. You say, what about Hezekiah? God gave him 15 more years. Yeah, he gave him 15 more years of new time, but he didn't get back the time he had before. It's gone. You can't, you can't change it. It's irreplaceable. And, and time once spent can never be regained, and so it is something that is precious, and something so precious should be guarded and used wisely. We all understand. We all would assent to the idea that, yes, time is irreplaceable, and it's the most valuable thing we have, and yet why are we so quick to waste it? Why are we so quick to blow it on things that have no eternal value whatsoever? Time's irreplaceable. But thirdly, I want you to notice this. Time is an investment. Who's the arbiter of time? God is, right? You understand that as our creator, as our creator, God transcends time. He's not bound by it. He's outside of it. That's why he's I am. He's outside of time. And so he's the arbiter. He's who decides who has how much time. By the way, he's the one who's going to do away with time, too. There's going to come a day that is no longer a day. There's going to come a point in our existence at which time is completely irrelevant. It's called eternity. Do you want to fry your brain for a little bit? We will enter into a state that never ends. Like Texas. If you've ever driven across Texas, it's a state that never ends. Now, if you really want to mess up your head, God's not only always going to be, He always has been. He never had a beginning. That'll mess you up. Go ahead, think about it for a minute. I'll watch you explode. He's always been, he always will be. And we're going to enter into this time with him where time is no more. And we're just we're going into eternity. But right now, time matters. Can I give you something for free? Because I am way, way early. And I can't have y'all getting out here early. We talked about this in Sunday school this morning. The devil's a liar. He's the father of lies. He's the originator of lies. The first lie ever told was told by Satan. He told it to himself when he said, I'll be like the most high. Okay, he's the father of lies. He can't do anything but lie. The only time he comes anywhere close to the truth is when he goes and accuses me to the Lord and tells him I'm sorry. Well, that's true. I am. So, devil, you slipped up and told the truth. But aren't you glad we have an advocate that steps in and says, well, I took care of it. <laughs> And God doesn't see us as sorry. He doesn't see us as slackers. He sees us as bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. And positionally in his righteousness, he sees us just like his son. Isn't that wonderful? Right. <laughs> devil might as well quit trying. The devil's a master liar. He has three, three prevalent, prominent lies that he uses a lot. And strangely enough, it's not that there's no God or there's no right or wrong. That's, that's not his best lies. His first best lie is this. God's holding out on you you could have more God's holding you back that's that's a lie that he tells and he's very very good at it here's another one hey follow your heart follow your heart I saw a commercial just the other day and it was this big crescendo moment in the in the trailer for whatever the show was and you just need to follow your heart and I'm like oh no no that may, may that may be good for Hollywood but it's it's garbage for reality (laughs) <laughs> this heart monitor on me. It's been beeping all day. I'm interested to see what the doctors say. When I, what were you doing on Sunday? Preaching. Well, you died like four times. Really? Um, <laughs> uh, what was I saying? Oh. Follow your heart. Well, we've confirmed my heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. That much we we know. It's on paper. But here's his most effective lie. you got plenty of time. The devil doesn't care if you serve God. In fact, the devil encourages you to be the best Christian that you can be as long as you wait. Do it later. Do it later. Hey, kids, you, know, you don't serve God right now. Are you kidding me? Be a kid. God's not interested in you serving him right now. Just be a kid. Y'all understand I'm, I'm, I'm not telling the truth here. I want you to come on, well, pastor said we didn't have go. That's not what I'm saying. That's what the devil's saying. And then those of us that are around my age, well, you still got some gas in the tank. Man, it's not time quite yet. And then when you get older, well, it's been a long, hard life for you. Just rest. There's always time. There's a whole cemetery of people down the road would tell you they ran out of time. Time is an investment. Time, time is not just something that just floats into the ether sphere. It's an investment in something that's to be done, that's to be done purposefully. God is the arbiter of time. You remember in Acts 1:8, the Great Commission? Look at what he says before that. Acts 1, verse 6. When they therefore, the disciples, were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Now listen to what Jesus says. And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. That word power means authority. The Father has authority over time. That's his domain. He runs it. He runs it. Now listen to this. He's the arbiter of time. God is... Invested a certain amount of time in you. And he invested a certain amount of time in me. Why? That we might take that time and invest it in others. All we are meant to be is conduits. All we are meant to be is empty and hollowed out that God might work through us. But what do we tend to do? Clog up our lives, wasting time on self. I'm about to lose it next time I hear some psychologist say, it is so important that you have some me time. Now, I don't begrudge that sometimes people just need a quiet moment of reflection and rejuvenation, but the term is what bothers me. There's never a time that it's all about me. Never. Once again, ladies especially, I get it. Your kids are driving you crazy. And sometimes you need to look at your husband and say, they're yours for a while. By the way, husbands, we're not babysitting when we do that. You babysit other people's kids. They're your kids. You're parenting. You're parenting. And periodically, periodically, my wife will say something on the lines of, I think it's time for the kids to have a daddy day. She has no interest in me or them enjoying that. She just wants some time. I get it, and I'm not, I don't begrudge that. I hope you understand. I have no issue with, a, a, you know, self-maintenance is a thing, and it does need to happen from time to time. I'm talking about these people that have just cast everything to the wind, their families and their futures, because it's all about me. You can't love others until you learn to love yourself. That pop psychology is just wrong. It's just wrong. Here's what you do. You love God. Then you love others. And then you bask in how much he loves you. See, That's what it's supposed to be. God invests in us that we might invest in others. Why? Well, first of all, we invest in those that we wish to win. Sometimes there have been times in my life that I've been able to knock on somebody's door, hand them a track, talk to them about the Lord. They come to Christ right there. But more often than not, the people that I've had the privilege to see come to Christ, we've invested some time and effort into it. We've worked on it. We've loved them and listened to them and answered midnight phone calls and gone over their house and taken them out to eat. Why? Because we're trying to win them to Jesus. We're invest, And that's a good use of time, by the way. We're trying to win them. It's interesting. Um, We see twice Paul used the phrase redeeming the time. We're buying it back. We're buying it back. But I'm most interested for tonight in Colossians 4 verse 5. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without. Who's he talking about? Those outside of the faith. Redeeming the time. You need to redeem your time that you might reach those that are without. We're investing our time in those we want to win. And then we invest our time in those we want to build i want to build my kids i want to build my marriage i want to see christ build the church i want to see christ build the school we invest our time in those we are trying to build it's interesting we we, we go to second timothy 2 too a lot And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. But what is that all contingent on? In verse number 1, And thou therefore my son. Timothy was not Paul's physical son. He won him to Christ. Paul won him to Christ and invested in him. He invested in him, building Timothy up that Timothy might be used of God, specifically for after Paul was gone. The last letter that Paul wrote, who was it to? Timothy. 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 Time is impermanent. Time is irreplaceable. Time is an investment. So let, let, let's sum this thing up. So what? Hebrews nine twenty seven is a familiar verse. It's appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. I've heard some people use this verse to say, well, that's how I know that it's Enoch and Elijah that are going to be the two witnesses because everybody has to die once. Well, by that logic, what about everybody that goes up in the rapture? And by that logic, what about those four people that died twice? Lazarus. Although I, I would, I, if I was a wagering man, I'd say that Lazarus probably... Wasn't too tore up over the second time he died. Lazarus, you're dying. Good. (laughs) I've been there already. I'm ready. Not worried about it at all. Great. How quick can we make this happen? (laughs) No, it's just a reminder that all of us are going to come to a place in eternity where we're going to be judged. Now, if you're saved, thank God, you're not judged in the matter of your salvation you're judged in the matter of your works and whether or not they were used for God's glory. And that'll be used to measure out your rewards in heaven. Okay? But the fact is, we will answer to God. And one of the things we're going to answer to him for is time and how we used it. One day time will be no more and we'll be called upon to give an account for how we've invested the time that is given to us. And I want you to follow this logical progression that we want to consider, and this is our so what. If we invest our time wisely... Would it stand to reason that we're likely to be investing everything else wisely, too? If somebody's a good good user of time, do they generally invest their talents and their treasures well as well? Usually, yeah. Well, how do we invest our time wisely, then? We understand that time belongs to God. And when we understand that time belongs to God, we'll be more apt to invest it wisely. And we invest time wisely when we understand that it, like everything else, all belongs to God. I'll leave you with the very, very familiar saying by C.T. Studd, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. May God help us to be good investors, good stewards of time. Because time, like everything else, all belongs to God.